Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Chuck Lawless. And I'm Caleb Iverson. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Well, Caleb, this week we have again Tom Eliff with us. Yes, we do. Tell me, I'm putting you on the spot here, but what did you hear from him in our last podcast that was most helpful to you or challenging to you? Yeah, I think um, we talked about this in the last podcast, but uh, what Tom was saying about prayer um, I made me think about, I took a class with Dr. Shaddix a couple years ago, and in that class he, he talked about, it was a three-hour course, hmm. and it was on the, the role of the Holy Spirit and prayer in the life of the preacher. And we would spend an hour of that class in prayer each week. And it was just convicting to see, he, he drew out that same point that, that Tom was drawing out. He said, when you come to seminary, we assume that you don't know how to read your Bible. We don't assume that you know how to preach, but we somehow assume that you know how to pray. And he said, I didn't have a course on prayer when I was in seminary. So that's why he taught that course. So just the encouragement again to be men of prayer is just really, really challenging for me. And Jim Shaddix, I would put right up there too with Tom Eliff as a, as a man of prayer who just who just walks with the Lord, and we have the privilege of serving alongside him here at, at Southeastern. Yes, Seminary. it's a blessing. It is. It is indeed a blessing. Well, listeners, here's what I want to do in this podcast. I want us to have fun with this. I've I've been with Tom for a number of years. Uh, Tom was actually my student at some point doing his D men along with his son John, who had been my student prior to that, and I've been in their home. I've been with Tom at the International Mission Board. He was my boss. And, and over the years, I just listened to him. Tom, you have you have an amazing way of just uh, clarifying the word, but also leaving us, at least for me, with some short, pithy statements that, that I've run back to uh, more than you might imagine. And so here's what I want to do in this podcast. I just want to uh, point you in the direction of these sayings that I remember. And you can give us the saying and you can give us some background and just teach us from these things. And I don't doubt that some of our listeners will hang on to some of these sayings as well. I'm humbled to do that. I'm humbled to be on this program because, uh, as you said, you know, I uh, spent quite a bit of time as your student, Dr. Wallace, (laughs) and I have consummate respect for you. I'm glad I get to call you Chuck, but I will just say that uh, there are students all over the world who uh, are former students who are grateful for your leadership. And so this is a humbling experience for me. Uh, The fact that you would remember anything that I ever said uh, blows my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I sure do. So let's start with the first saying. You, You have a saying about how do we how do we know the the will of God. How does God make his will known to us? And so give us the saying and and teach us. Well, uh, it's just a a summation of teaching, actually, and that is that the plans of God, and I use on purpose the word plans rather than the will of God, but the plans of God are revealed to the man or woman of God by the Spirit of God 
through the word of God. And to me, that that not only is true, but it outlines an agenda that we ought to be able to to establish as we seek to find the will of God. Number one, the plans of God. Does God have plans? He said, I know the plans or the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord your God. You know, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And Jeremiah was quite succinct in chapter 33 in speaking about that. And so um, God does have plans for us. Well, they are they are revealed to the man or woman of God. So that means that if I want to know what God is speaking to me about or what direction he is uh, uh, leading me in, uh, then I need to be a man of God. I need to make sure there's not anything in my life that that uh, is an abomination to God or that God has commanded me uh, not to do that I'm doing or to do that I'm not doing. I want to be a man of God by the Spirit of God. I need to be a person who's living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, totally surrendered uh, to the to the Lord without any reservation, but I also need to be in the word of God. Uh, how can you find a source any place else that is as succinct, always accurate, uh, living, it is the living word of God because the author is alive and the translator is alive, uh, so the plans of God are revealed to the man or woman of God by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. And if you were to look at my um, journal, uh, I've journaled since 1964. Um, some of those years were pretty lean when it came to journaling, but I, I have sort of a record. I, I, I'm going to have to find out what to do with it because uh, uh, it's really very, very, very intimate and private, and I probably will end up tossing it. But it's a record for me of how God so often has spoken by his spirit through the word. Hmm. And I'm so grateful for that. And as I recall, don't you buy journals for your grandkids? Um, I have. Okay. Yes, not always, but I have. Okay. Yeah, yeah I've, I just am amazed that you have done it for so many years, continue to do it. And I think even about how much of church history will we not know had it not been for people who journaled. I agree. And that, and, and someone, and it might've been, well, it wasn't you because I started a long time ago, but somebody made that statement. I feel quite uh, assured uh, earlier in my life. And that's what made me decide to, to journal. It really, it helps me to go back and, and see God's pathway, you know, in my own life. Good, good word. Let's go to the second saying. Something about you can know a man by the books he reads and take it from there. The friends he keeps and the Lord he serves. But I also stuck in there the music he listens to hmm. and or to which he listens to get it uh, correct. Um, yeah, our proclivities uh, are announcements of our character, aren't they? Uh, hmm. What we hunger for is what we're made of. And um, so it's true. My mother actually is the one who gave me that uh, that statement. She said, you can tell a man by the 
books he reads, the friends he keeps, and the Lord he serves. And I added, and the music to which he listens. Because uh, music has taken on such an enormous, uh, enormously large part in the life of so many people today. And uh, music, by and large, is not necessarily good uh, or does not proclaim the glory of God or to the glory of God. So, you know, what is the guy listening to? That tells you what he likes. It's good. Give, a, give us that again one more time. The books he reads. The books he reads, the friends he keeps, the Lord he serves, and the music to which he listens. All right. Challenging. Let's go to saying number three. Uh, as I recall, I believe it was your your grandfather who spoke about the the tool that is most used or most useful. Yeah, I had the privilege. My my uh, my grandfather was a preacher and uh, uh, a carpenter. Actually, they came to to Oklahoma. Uh, he and his wife, my grandmother. In a in a covered wagon as they took a honeymoon and came out in this direction, mm. believe it or not. But he was a uh, he he was quite a carpenter, and uh, he had a, a a wood shop. And both he and my father and um, I spent a lot of time in both of those those wood shops. And um, uh, one day. Uh, and I, I have vivid memories of this. I have a picture of it on the wall here in my study. Uh, my grandfather asked me for a tool. And I was read, he said, it's right above your head. I, I reached, I was a little kid. And he said, no, it's over to the right a little bit. No, a little bit farther right. And then he said, never mind, I did it with this screwdriver. And I turned around and looked at him. He's holding this old beat-up screwdriver, which, to which I fell air uh, at one point. And... Uh, he set the screwdriver down and he said, Tommy, he said, I didn't use this screwdriver because it was the best tool for the job. He said, that tool right over your head is the best tool for the job. But I used this screwdriver because it was close to my hand. And he said, I, I just want you to know that it's the handy tool that gets used the most. Hmm. And he said, that's true, not only of tools, but it's true of men in terms of their willingness to stay close to the hand of God. Mm. He said, they're the man. He said, sometimes you'll say, why did God use that guy? He can't even speak the king's English. And it's the handy tool that God uses the most. And uh, so he's, my granddad used that as one of many examples he used to me to tell me, get close to God. That's really great. I, I hope our listeners are understanding why I wanted them just to just to hear from you. The college at Southeastern believes that God is at work in this generation, calling out Christians to leverage their lives for the Great Commission. That's why we train students biblically, theologically, and vocationally in community to give their lives for the cause of Christ. In spring 2024, Southeastern will be hosting its annual Go Conference, designed to train, challenge, and mobilize college students for the Great Commission. Invite your college group to join us on campus on February 9th and 10th. Save the date and sign up for next year's conference at thegoconference.com.
you you mentioned your grandfather was a was a preacher. Just remind us. Yes. How many generations in your family? How many of these folks have been proclaimers of the word of the Lord? Well, uh, my grandfather I've already mentioned, my father, myself, and I have son, and then we have grandsons who are preachers. And so uh, I believe that's six, if, it's, if we're not correct right now. And I'm just speaking for one person in the family. My brothers could speak of many, many more. And uh, uh, when, when, uh, well, when my my great grandfather and his wife were coming out to Oklahoma um, from Giles County, Tennessee. Uh, she was quite a Christian. He was not. Uh, they she fell sick, and uh, they got a train back. And on that train, she said, "Jim, his name was James." Said, "Would you do me one thing before I die? Do me one favor. Give your life to God." And uh, he got on his knees on that train beside where she was lying on a bench and gave his life to God. And uh, she said, give our baby to God. And he said, prayed that the baby would be dedicated to God. And the next Sunday, um, uh, he showed up at a little country church in Tennessee and was baptized this was after her funeral. And he had that baby with him. And as they said in his journal, in his journal, there was whooping and hollering, and uh, he when he came back two years later to Oklahoma, his son, my grandfather, answered God's call to preach, mm. and that started the uh, that started the journey. Bunch of preachers, loud family reunions. Let me just say, <laughs> <laughs> I love your stories, Tom. Well, let's go to the, the 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 last two things. These are ones that I actually read from you first, but I've I've included them because they caught my attention and gave me pause and, and made me think. So the first one is from The Broken Curse, and here's what you wrote. There can be little question that words written or spoken have amazing power. Let me let me read that again just so our listeners can hear that. There can be little question that words written or spoken have amazing power. How can you doubt that? Uh, even in the secular world, you can, there's a book out there called It Pays to Increase Your Word Power. Words mm. are powerful. They are, uh, they are tangible embodiments of what's deep within our heart. And um, words can have the power to heal, but unfortunately, words can and so often do have the power, have the power to hurt. And uh, I have known of many, many people. I, I have not recently preached on this subject, but in times past, I've preached on how to break the curse of words. And you could not imagine the number of people who would respond either at the altar or personally afterwards or in a written letter uh, and say, you know, when I was, they would say what age my dad said or my mother said, and I have been hurt by that. And my life has been shaped by that incorrectly. Um, and you think, you know, a parent has an opportunity to shape children's lives positively, if they will. And uh, yet here was a lady or here was a man who, who had gone through life feeling rejected, uh, abused, uh, 
feeling as if he was a failure, failure, or she was a failure because of something was said. Uh, you know, words do have power. They have power. It's challenging. Thank you for that. Now, the final, the final saying, last time that we met on this podcast, you mentioned the book that you would recommend for pastors is your book, A Passion for Prayer. And this saying comes from that book, and I believe it was your mother who said it. And uh, I would love to have met your mother as I hear more and more of the things that she taught you. What a sweetheart. That's great. What a sweetheart. Here are the words. Be wise when you listen to others, because what a person talks about a little he thinks about a lot. I cannot tell you how many times I heard her say that. Hmm. Um, you know, we'd be sitting around the table and somebody would say, boy, you should have heard so-and-so. And she'd nod her head and then say, be wise. Be wise. Because what a person joke. Actually, she was many times say jokes about a little. He thinks about a lot. Hmm. And um, that. I, I heard her say that when I was a child and when I was a teenager, when I went away to college. But it was later on, after I was out of college, maybe while I was in seminary, but maybe out of seminary, I was telling a story. I thought it was uproariously funny. Um, it was a little. It was a little shady. Hmm. And I noticed that my mother didn't laugh like the rest of the people at the table. I mean, I'm just bearing my heart here, okay? I'm sure none of you have ever done this. Mm. But uh, it was just a little bit shady. And my mother said, be careful. Because what a man talks about a little, he thinks about a lot. Mm -hmm. And I never forgot that conversation, that warning and I tried to heed it. Again, that's that's so challenging to all of us as we, as we communicate as uh, ministers of the gospel, as pastors, uh, how we speak, what we say, what we joke about. It, it all really does matter. Well, well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us, not only for this podcast, but, but for the last one as well. And uh, we want to bring you back. There's There's so much. I love just listening and learning from you. There's so much you have to help our listeners, and we will get you back on this podcast as soon as we can. I will look forward to that. And it's been a delight, Dr. Lawless, Caleb. It's been a delight getting to know you. And if I could just say to this uh, podcast audience, and that is that uh, um, there are a handful of men on this planet for whom I have consummate respect. And Dr. Chuck Lawless is one of those men. Even the fact that he's willing to let us call him Chuck rather than Dr. Lawless <laughs> speaks volumes about the humble spirit that he has. And I'm grateful for that. Grateful to know him. And and by the way, I'm looking forward to the podcast on our dog Max and what we're learning. So that'll be a great other podcasts down the road. Yeah. For our listeners, my wife and I got our first dog uh, 11 months ago. <laughs> now, actually, he's 11 months old, so we got him uh, nine months ago. Max is his name, and uh, he, let's just say he's a mini Australian shepherd who, frankly, is wearing us out. But it, 
but it's good. So <laughs> I'll, I'll put that on the list, Tom. Tom, thank you again. And to our, our listeners, we just want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Well, listeners, if you found this conversation helpful and encouraging, I know that I did, um, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback you'd be willing to give. As always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And I hope that we've done that with today's conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.